Undercover money laundering operations at the Drug Enforcement Administration have generated some big wins against illegal drug running. They've also generated income for the agency itself. And the Justice Department Inspector General has found they generate significant risk that needs a lot more oversight. Joining me with the details, I.G. Michael Horowitz. Mr. Horowitz, good to have you back. Hey, great to be back, Tom. First of all, frame the issue for us. You were looking at a program at the DEA that's central to its activities to stop illegal drug trade. How does this work, and especially how does it generate income for the agency? You're right, Tom. It is one of the tools that DEA uses to disrupt drug trafficking, and this part of their disruption effort isn't focused on the drugs themselves and interdicting drugs, seizing drugs, but rather looking at the profits from drug sales. And as you might expect, drug organizations, when they generate income, funds, money, they need to figure out how to move the money in transactions. They can't walk into the bank and say, here, we've got drug money. Can we make a deposit? They need to figure out ways to move the money through what would appear to be legal means so that banks and others don't stop them from doing it. And so one of the things the DEA tries to do is get in the middle of those drug transactions using undercover techniques so that they can both potentially seize the money, stop the transactions, and potentially gather intelligence information that will lead them to the drug traffickers themselves so they can disrupt the drug trafficking organizations. Got it. And by the way, why are these called Attorney General Exempt Operations, AGEOs? What does that term exactly mean? So the critical part of this is that if DEA wasn't authorized to do this, the their involvement in the transactions would, of course, be illegal because the transactions themselves are illegal. You or I can't do these kinds of things, right? So Congress back in 1985 passed a law that gave the attorney general the ability to authorize the DEA to engage in what would otherwise be an illegal activity. So that's how it gets the name attorney general exempt activities. And with respect to the risks, I guess, well, they're kind of obvious, but what are the major risks? It sounds like corruption could come into the agency or theft of funds. There's a lot of things that one can imagine. There are a number of things, right? These are, again, DEA being authorized to conduct illegal activity, what would otherwise be illegal activities, getting approval to do that. And there are tens of millions of dollars involved here in these transactions. And so you have significant risk if you don't have strong controls in place because you're dealing with dirty money, corrupt money, illegal money. You've got risks because of the fact that the attorney general needs to have and the department needs to have control over how many, what kind, and how long are these otherwise illegal activities allowed to occur. And then on the income-generating side, operated uh, or conducted pursuant to plan, the DEA does disrupt and does, as a result, seize funds and generate income to the program. The law allows DEA to support these activities, pay expenses and other things out of these funds. So this is now using funds that are not appropriated through the regular congressional appropriation process. And so it's important that there be a watchful eye over these monies so that they're used consistent with the law and what Congress has authorized DEA through the attorney general to do with the money. We're speaking with Michael Horowitz. He's Inspector General of the Justice Department. And you found significant holes, I guess, not so much in the operation of these activities, but in the oversight of them. And this extended up to DEA management and to some degree Department of Justice. Tell us the uh, top line findings. 
So there were several issues, as you've indicated. Perhaps first and foremost is we learned that DEA was not appropriately informing the Attorney General and Congress of all of their Attorney General exempted operations as the law required. Obviously, that's the baseline, right, of complying with the statute. In addition, we learned that DEA's policies were not consistent with Attorney General guidelines and other department-wide policies in all respects, and so that was of concern to us. We also found that as we looked at operations, that many of them lasted longer than it appeared were consistent with the plans initially presented and that they were expanded beyond the operations that were initially planned without clear evidence that there was documentation about that or that there was controls in place and a review in place to ensure that the expansion and broader use and longer use of those approved operations was consistent with the original goal of the operations. And the internal oversight of these, are the channels proper so that you don't have people that could be in on it also overseeing it? That is to say, within the DEA is the oversight or the should be oversight of these types of operations independent of, say, the authorization of them? That's correct. You want to have strong controls in place within DEA, but also the Attorney General guidelines make clear that there is a role for the department itself in approving these. Again, that's why you have notifications and approvals in place that are required both by statute and department policy. So you want to make sure that there's a watchful eye not only over the operations themselves, the authorization and the ongoing nature of the operations. But then, as we talked about, what happens to the money and how is it used? And we found issues also with regard to the oversight of the use of the funds as well. Well, yeah, so a lot of issues there. And was there evidence that money had gone missing or was, uh, I mean, of all these risks, did any of them become realized? We did not find evidence that money had gone missing. We found that they were tracking the money. That was important. But we also found evidence that they were spending the money on expenses that were not, in our view, clearly covered by the expenses that would otherwise be allowed under the statute and under department policy. So they were not rigorously patrolling the use of the money for operations related to the exempted activities, but were using it for some other, in our view, non-exempt, non-covered expenses. Well, then, that led to a lot of recommendations. What would you say were the most significant ones? I think there were 19 of them, if I recall. Yes. So we made 19 to DEA and the department. They've agreed with all of them. And perhaps, you know, some of the more significant ones are, first and foremost, obviously, putting in place procedures that ensure that operations are approved consistent with the law and statute, both notification going to the AG, notification going to the Congress as the law requires, ensuring that DEA's policies are consistent with department-wide policies. And on an operational level, what we recommended is that DEA develop and execute a plan that ensures it's strategically exploiting its investigative information and the information it's learning, that it start tracking investigative and legal outcomes to ensure that its operations are performing consistent both with what's authorized and generating outcomes that are advancing the DEA's law enforcement needs and the reasons why it has started these programs to begin with. And then 
ensuring that it's documenting and tracking its approval process and notification process for operations that span jurisdictional boundaries, including international boundaries. Because as you might imagine, with drug trafficking and money laundering, there is the potential not only spill across jurisdictions within this country, but certainly across national boundaries. And if you back up from this for a moment, it looks like this really had the potential to blow up in a bad way, both operationally and also even politically and and getting into the public with just a, a disaster potential. And that's why it's so critical to have strong oversight on programs like this where there is what would otherwise be illegal operations where you are actually legally facilitating the operations of drug trafficking organizations and narco-terrorist organizations. So dealing with some of the most dangerous organizations across the globe, it's going to be critically important in those circumstances to have strong controls in place, to be careful with what you're doing and how you're using the authorizations that Congress and the Attorney General have given you. Michael Horowitz is Inspector General of the Justice Department. Thanks so much for joining me. Great to be here again, Tom. Thanks. We'll post this interview along with a link to that report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.